Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm just so honored to be here. And you know, we, uh, I got to be on TBN a couple of weeks ago. And that was awesome. But you know, the night before that, I was with John McMahon. Where's John at? Is he here? Anyway, we were in a jail. There you are, brother. We were in a, a jail with, I think, seven women, wasn't it? And, uh, man, I mean, the power of God went through there. And, and, and just, it was awesome to see those lives touched. And uh, a few days after TBN, I was in a nursing home. And I mean, it was, again, just the power of God, present to heal. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about, is just letting people taste and see that the Lord is good. Give them a taste. You don't have to convince them. You don't have to attack them uh, in any way. Your witness is your life. And uh, if you've ever read James where he said, uh, if, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally. <clears throat> and he, he said, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. But if you've ever read that and did what I did and said, oh, God, give me wisdom. Any of you ever lack wisdom? Yeah. Well, as soon as I read that, I thought I could use me some of that. Come on. Amen. And I just believe first time I read the story of Solomon and, and all the things that he could have asked for. When God said, whatever you want, here's a ticket. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And he said, give me wisdom. I just did the same thing. I said, God, I want that. Give me wisdom. And, and, and what's going to happen when you pray that, one of, the, one of the first things that's going to show up is a heart to win souls because Proverbs 11 and 30 says, He that winneth souls is wise. And you know, it's not about getting a notch in your gospel gun and saying, well, I got this many or I got that many and then just leave them there. And I've been in places where, man, you just had to shout and rejoice over getting somebody saved and, and, and truly born again. And, and call on the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and in New York City, we couldn't always uh, do any kind of follow-up. And we'd have people attack us and, and ask us, uh, just almost in an attacking way, what, what about follow-up? Do you just leave them out there? Well, you can't take them all home with you. And especially there in New York City, we couldn't get them all in a program. We'd get as many as we could into Brother Wilkerson's programs and different things up there that were going on. But a lot of them, you just have to just uh, give them all you can give them while you're with them. I, I remember uh, a man that had just been so sincere and given his heart to the Lord that I had a little Walkman tape player that, and I had a couple of my, my Bible tapes with me. And, and, and I went and got some extra batteries and he was just on the streets, sleeping on the streets. And I gave him that. And I said, I want you to, and he just grabbed me and he said, man, he said, I'll just keep it forever. And I said, no, you won't. I said, as soon as you get a hunger pain, you're going to try and get rid of it. And I said, but do this for me. I said, uh, listen to these Bible tapes until the batteries go dead. And then put these new batteries in and, and go on. And I said, listen and hear all the word. Get all the word that you can get. Uh, and I believe I gave him a Bible. I said, just get all the word that you can get. And, and I said, uh, you know, find some scriptures that you can stand on. I shared a few with him. And I said, then go sell this wherever you can, get you something to eat. And I said, then just watch what God does. And I said, God's going to guide you. So a lot of times we couldn't do, but you just do everything you can do when you're with somebody. Amen? Try and give them all the Word because the Word of God will, will carry them through. The Word of God will, will, uh, will stir their faith up, that measure of faith that they already have. Amen? That brought them to the Lord. Now, I was, I was praying the sinner's prayer with a man in New York City one time in Times Square. And he was repeating the prayer, and I, and I was praying with him. I was thrilled, and and uh, but all of a sudden something came over me, and I 
I shook his hands. I said, hey, look at me. And he looked up and I said, how many times have you done this this week? And he smiled. He said, oh, seven or eight. <clears throat> he just gets saved to get a, get a meal or, you know, whatever he needed. And I said, well, I just had an urgency in my heart that this time it better be real. And, and I, I tell you what, uh, there was a guy that came over, uh, a Muslim guy came over and began to attack uh, verbally me and him. And I just started praying in the Holy Ghost, and that, that Muslim guy started backing up, and he tried to rattle off a bunch of stuff, and he couldn't. He just kept backing away, kept backing away, and I turned and looked at that man, and, and I said, do you know what that was? And I mean, he was trembling. He, there was a fear. It was such an aggressive thing. And he said, I believe that was the devil. And I said, I do too. And I said, I want to tell you something. I said, you're in danger playing with this thing like you are. And I said, you may need to make a decision for God right now. And you need to be sincere. And I, I tell you, he started crying. And I didn't even have to. He knew the sinner's prayer better than I did. <laughs> Amen. But it was sincere. It was real that time. And, and so, boy, I want to tell you something. I, I, I don't believe we ha have an understanding of soul winning. When we just go out and just try to talk someone into a prayer and get them to pray that, and there's no cry in their heart, and there's no belief. They're just doing it uh, to maybe dodge hell or whatever or just get you to shut up. Yeah, I mean, I used to lead people to the Lord. It's like, you're getting saved or I'm going to beat the hell out of you. <laughs> that was just my attitude, you know. I know that's pitiful, but I, that's just the way I felt, man. You're going to get saved. The easy way or the hard way, you decide which, amen? And I was just rough. And God started talking to me about stuff like not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And speak the truth in love, you know? I mean, if we go soul winning like that, we just go out today and do some soul winning, amen? Take some women with us, we hold them, let them just stomp the devil out of them. You better cry out quick. We're going to give you another one. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? People are already missing something. They don't know what they're searching for. They don't know what they're looking for. Some of them uh, believe it might be God, but they can't imagine God loving them. They feel like, uh, you know, who am I? Why would God want anything to do with me? Some of them have messed up uh, to the point that they, and I love it. I've been telling this all week. But boy, when someone tells me, I, I think I've gone too far. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever felt that way? That's a lie the devil loves to use on people. Anybody here ever felt like, man, I sinned too great, I've gone too far? Well, that's, that's a great one. I love that one. I know someone's about to get saved when someone tells me that. I, I mean, it's an absolute. There's no question. I, someone's going to get saved when they come to me and say, well, I feel like I've gone too far. I've sinned too great. I've committed the unpardonable sin. I, I love that one. Someone's going to get saved right now. And they ain't even going to know it until they're already saved. Yeah. So I'll just pass this nugget on. They tell me that I think I've gone too far. I've sinned too much. I've sinned too great. I'll say, well, uh, let's find out if you have or not. And they look at me and like, what do you mean? I, I say, well, you don't want to live the rest of your life like that, do you? Wondering. Why don't we just find out right now if you've gone too far? There's a way that we can find out right now. And you can walk away from this moment knowing if you have, knowing for a fact that you have, or knowing for a fact that you haven't. Don't you want to do that? Well, yeah. Praise God. I said, then you can either get in and live for God or you can go get drunk. If 
you've gone too far, you might as well get drunk. Go get stoned. Hello? Don't look at me like that. I'll come out there and slap spit out of your jaw. <laughs> hey, I'm kidding. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> and so I'll say, well, let's find out right now if you've gone too far. And I'll get them by their hands and I'll say, uh, let, I said, Jesus said, if any man will come to me, I will in no wise cast him out. And I said, so if you can come to him, you'll know that you haven't gone too far. So just repeat after me, oh, Father God. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you, Lord God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me, Lord, where I've sinned, where I've failed, where I've gone my own way and all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. They'll look up and I'll look up and I'll say, I guess you didn't go too far, amen. Amen. If you'd gone too far, you couldn't come to it. Amen. God wants to save people. And, uh, you know, I, I love that, that scripture, let not your heart be troubled. If your heart's ever been troubled, then you know how wonderful it is to know that you don't have to be troubled. That all is well. That His name is Emmanuel, God with us. My dad preached for 69 years. He was all messed up. He's just an old hillbilly and, and he, he was pretty rough and, and uh, he, he made a lot of mistakes. But you know, when he was dying, he looked at me and he said, son... I'd already started working in the streets of New York City. And, and, and he had come around to a point of grace. You have to. He came to a place of grace because you can't live without it. And he had always had this heart for God, but he was serving, uh, trying to please God and, and, and trying to, to uh, obey the call of God on his life and all of these things. But it was till the last uh, years of his life that when he came into a revelation and got a glimpse of grace, that, man, he became one of the most powerful uh, people of God that I'd ever known in my life, and I loved him. And uh, he had never been, been my dad. I won't get deep into this, but he had, uh, he was, uh, I was a child of a second marriage. He had divorced, and he was a, a state overseer in Oklahoma of a, a real pretty intense holiness, Pentecostal holiness uh, organization, and and of course, when he divorced, it just blew everything in his life apart and remarried. And then here I come. We was always trying to figure out what we did wrong. But then he uh, separated from my mother but lived in the same house. And we called him Uncle Bud because he didn't want anybody to know about that second marriage. And he tried to hide from it, and he lived a lie for a long time. And I never knew him as dad. I never knew him as my daddy or father and all that. But I, somehow in my heart... It, I just came to terms with it, and I knew that he was a man of God. I knew that. Other family members mocked him and made fun and, and hated him, and, uh, but I just loved him. I would see things happen anyway. I'd watch him be led by the, the spirit of a living God. It, it just amazed me when I was a little boy. And uh, he was trying to find his way back into right relationship with God. And that's, that's all I can say. And that's what he spent a lot of my childhood years doing. And he was just not a good dad. He was just not, he certainly wasn't a good husband uh, to my mother. And, 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 you know, it was just a horrible, horrible uh, raising, really. Then when Mama died, we were scattered, and they ripped me and my sisters apart and put us in different places and foster homes and children's homes, boys' homes, and a bunch of stuff. And to me, it was just, just like uh, another adventure. I'd read enough Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer that I was just ready for whatever was next. Usually, I thought it couldn't be as bad as the last one. 
They put me in one foster home, some older people, and they said, you can call me, you can call us mommy and daddy. It's a very wealthy home. I remember daddy took me down and bought me some new clothes. He wore these little old Hawaiian shorts and Hawaiian shirts and little old web-looking golf shoes or something, you know. And daddy dressed me up just like him. I was okay, man, brand new clothes. And, uh, man, I'll never forget my first night there was Saturday night. And uh, they, they went to some kind of church, big name, and uh, got up the next morning, Sunday morning, and, and we had them old clawfoot bathtubs, you know. And when you turn the water off, you just turn them that way. And I got in. I, that was the first other than going into a swimming pool and, you know, taking a shower. I'd never been in a shower like that. And, and I reached up and turned the water off, and I turned the cold all the way off and the hot all the way on. Man, they had some hot water, brother. And, man, I scalded myself so bad and busted the shower door, cut my hand up. That wasn't bad enough. Everybody run in. You're sprawled all over the floor, you know. That's really fun. <clears throat> and so I was just kind of a dork. Some things never change. And so, you know, Mom and Daddy, they were already not real thrilled with me after one 24-hour period and didn't get to go to church either. And so Monday came, and, and I got all my new clothes on, and, and uh, Daddy took me out to his garage. He had a perfect garage, a perfect little room at the end of the garage where he kept a few little rakes and tools. And he took me in there, and he gave me a dartboard. I'll never forget how wonderful. A great, beautiful dartboard, man, and the darts. And he set it up in there, and he said, Now you can throw these darts in here, nowhere else, but you can throw them in here. And I thought, Great. He walked out, and I threw my first dart, and I hit a can of black spray paint. Right next to the dartboard. And it sprayed all over them brand new clothes that he got me. And I was speckled, man. Had black freckles for weeks. And uh, these people that were going to love me and that were going to be my mommy and my daddy forever uh, made it maybe 72 hours. And they, they dropped me off at a family member's. And family members took me to Oklahoma and dropped me off at the welfare office. And it's not a sad story. I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know, I mean, it was stressful. And I knew whatever, they didn't just drop me off and drove away. I knew whatever's next going to be better than that. I mean, it, it was. But, you know, it was pr pretty rough and pretty hard raising. And, you know, you can just waller and stuff all the days of your life or you can rise up and overcome and understand if there's not something to overcome, then why would God make us overcomers? That would be a waste of something great. But there's things we have to overcome. And you know what? When you learn and you're walking with God that you don't have to let your heart be troubled. You don't have to let it be afraid. I, I want to share just a few things with you. I've got a 154-point message. <laughs> you know, your heart gets troubled when fear comes. Proverbs, the third chapter, says, Be not afraid of fear. Now it says it like this, be not afraid of sudden fear. How many of you know fear comes suddenly most of the time? It'll be a report, it, it, it'll be a, a pain in your body or a doctor's report or something like that. And all of a sudden fear and you're troubled. All of a sudden your heart's troubled. 
But you know what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Second uh, Timothy 1, and I believe it's 7. Is that right? And, but he's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Things come that want to trouble your heart. Things come that want to, you know, uh, bring fear. And, and you, you can just wallow there if you're not watchful. But man, God don't want our hearts to be troubled. Because if you put all your trust in Him, you can rejoice and you can be glad. And you don't have to put on, you don't have to fake it till you make it. But I want to tell you something, when you put your trust in God, rejoicing comes automatic. Because you know everything's going to be all right. And I, I talk about my, my health and my leg and stuff like that a lot. But, you know, when they told me my leg had to come off, I just got an attitude about it. First, man, it troubled me. But then I got an attitude. I told the chief oncologist of Canada, I said, I have a word from God. And he scowled. And he looked at me and he said, what kind of word do you have from God? I said, Proverbs 3 and 26. And he just shrugged hatefully. And I said, it says, the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Amen. And, and I told him, I said, so I will not be defeated. <laughs> Praise God. That's my word. I stand on that. I stand on it. Amen. Doctors, the specialists in Fort Worth said it had to come off just below the knee. They drew with their finger, drew a line just below my knee, said it has to come off here. It has to come off now. You've got to make your plans. They explained all the prosthetics and stuff to me. And the next morning I woke up and right where they had drawn with their finger, there was a dotted line in red. The first thing I thought was cut on the dotted line. And I was sitting there at 6 o'clock in the morning looking at that. And I tell you, the devil said, that's where I'm going to cut your leg off. And I started laughing. It must have really offended him. Because I said, well, if you do, I'll be singing you're under my stump. Amen. And then I, I really got to laughing thinking about that, you know. But it offends the devil. I mean, it freaks him out when we're not troubled. You know, it comes, it knocks on our door, but you don't have to give in to it. But you, you can begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Build up your most holy faith. You can begin to pray and begin to pray the Word of God. Begin to declare what God has said. They told me I was going to die young with this horrible heart disease. I couldn't even pronounce it. It was such a, a big, horrible... I'd hate to have to spell it. And I just didn't accept it. I stood on the promises of God that cannot fail, though the howling winds of doubt, of fear, and doubt assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail because I'm standing on the promises of God. Psalms 118 and 17 says, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. And all I prayed through that time, I didn't pray, God, don't let me die. I didn't pray, uh, God, don't let me lose my leg. I just said, God, uh, let me finish the race. Whatever I'm here for, let me finish it. Amen. You know, you look at all the great stories of faith and all the great, uh, in, in our day and time, the things that are going on. But you look at Daniel, and, and he's thrown into a lion's den because these men hated him because he was preferred above them because he had such a spirit of excellence on him that they, they began to devise and figure out, and they said, the only way we're going to be able to accuse him of anything if it's something to do with his God. Amen? And so they devised and worked up this plan, and... and uh, Got him thrown into a lion's den. But you know what? His heart wasn't troubled. The king couldn't sleep all night. His heart was troubled all night for Daniel. Fasted. I like that. I like that. I fasted for 40 nights one time. 
Amen. Praise God. I like that. The Word of God says the king fasted all night. I caught that. I thought that's what I did. I used to fast every time someone had asked me to preach because I'd just be terrified. Because when God, God called me to preach, I thought, God, I really just wanted to sing. I really just wanted to just talk to people about Jesus. I told the business administrator of Calvary Cathedral International a couple weeks ago, Brother Charlie, I said, Charlie, he's trying to explain some things to me. I said, I'm just a guy with a guitar that wanted to tell someone about Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. God called me to preach. I thought he's mad at me. And then I had hope spring up, and I thought, who would ask anyway? And so I answered God. I said, I'll, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll preach. I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord, thinking no one would ask me. That, that very Sunday, preacher down in Alabama, burnt, burnt corn, Alabama, asked, he said, God showed me you're called to preach. And, and, man, I just got away from him as quick as I could. Kept asking me. Did that for a month. Came in one night and said, God showed me in a dream that you're called to preach. And finally, I admitted, I said, yeah, I think that's what God's saying to me. He said, well, you're going to preach Wednesday. That was Sunday night. So I fasted Sunday night. I count it all when I fast. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I was just a scared, hungry chicken, you know, by Wednesday night. I thought it'd make me Saint David or bring some extra power or something. Man, there wasn't nothing. I was just scared. You know, I didn't mind getting up in front of a bunch of bikers and, and, and uh, rednecks, dope heads, whatever. It just didn't bother me at all. Uh, but man, Christians, they can get mean. <laughs> now, you can say the wrong thing to them and they'll get you stoned. You can say the wrong thing to a bunch of bikers and they'll just get you stoned. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, I was, I was messed up. I, I didn't know. Now, Isaiah, the first chapter, said, learn to do well. Why do you think he said that? Because we don't know how. I don't know anybody. There's probably someone, but I don't know anybody personally that's more messed up than I was. Me and a friend of mine was trying to live for God. You ever done that? That's a trip. Because I'll tell you something. When you don't know the word, people's got lots of advice. You know? And back then, it was cut your hair. That was the first thing. You couldn't be saved and have hair, too. Facial hair, got to shave that beard, get some straight-legged britches. Man, I got delivered to that bell-bottom spirit. And I gave in to it just a little bit a few weeks later, and it came back seven times worse. And I was trying, I, I mean, I, you talk about Reverend Dork, I was trying to do everything everybody said that you should do to be saved. I tried some holy water. Didn't know what it meant, but glory to God, if it'll help, give me some of it. Baptized? Oh, man. I was squeaky clean from being baptized. Everybody baptized me. I baptized in creeks, rivers, and ponds, the Nazarene church, the Baptist church. My Roman Catholic aunt sprinkled some water on me. Man, I mean, I just anything, but none of it was working. It wasn't sticking until I got that glimpse of grace, and the devil should have never let me get that. Praise God. So I preached that service that Wednesday night for about, I don't know, I preached about a three-hour message in five minutes. And that same preacher that had harped on me for a whole month 
saying, God showed me you're called to preach. God showed me in a dream and da-da-da. He walked up and said, well, I'm not so sure you're called to preach after all. <laughs> and all I could think is, you can forget it, bud. Man, if I can live through tonight, I'm going to just keep going. Amen. <laughs> And just all kinds of awesome things that happen. But you know what? You can't let people trouble. You can't what pe- uh, let what people think uh, trouble you, what they say trouble you. You just have to keep your eyes on God. You just have to keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You have to reach for that excellence that God has for every one of us. You'll get there, praise God. You may look and feel like you're falling short, but I want to tell you something. It's all about pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. Pressing forth unto those things which are before. And not let anything deter you to the left hand or to the right hand. But just keep pressing forward. Keep pressing forward. Believe in what God spoke to you. Believe what the Word of God says about you. And cast down every other thought and every other imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Just do it. Just do it. I found out one thing. People that are dying and drowning, they're not particular about who throws a lifeline to them. They don't ask for your credentials. They don't want your brochure. Hello. They're just looking for someone that will say there's hope in a hopeless situation. They're looking for someone to show up and say, you know what? God pulled me out of a pit. He'll pull you out too. Amen. So here's Daniel in the lion's den. He's got peace and the king doesn't. He's up all night walking the floor and, and troubled and messed up. The three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, same, same deal. That spirit of excellence that was on their life. And you know, I love it. They told the king. They said, you know what? We're not even going to be careful how we answer this matter. We're going to let you know that we're not bowing our knee to anything except to God. Our faith is in him and our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to you. And their hearts were not troubled. There's a good chance we're going to burn today. There's a good chance that we're going to die today. But you need to understand this, O King, that we're not bowing our knee to any other God. We're not giving in to anything else. Their hearts were not troubled. They heated the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been heated. And, and they chose the mightiest men of the kingdom to throw them in the fire. And they were burned and disintegrated in a second. But the three Hebrew children went into the fire and the king looked and he said, Did we not cast three men abound into that fire? Well, lo, I see four men. And one is likened to the Son of God. I want to tell you, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. We're not alone. And we don't have to be troubled over anything. Hallelujah. We're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. I'm not alone. People say, well, what's the difference? Uh, well, Christians, we see Christians uh, sick and, and getting uh, sickness and disease and going through hell and, and all this stuff. Well, the difference is we're not alone. And the difference is many are the afflictions of the righteous. Psalms 34 Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Every one of them. Amen? All of them. Every one of them. Hallelujah. Man, we're not alone. I love the stories of the, uh, of the Bible, man. I love the story of Jehoshaphat in, in uh, Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter. Man, he's had a pretty good uh, time, a pretty good reign in his, uh, his reign and there in that kingdom. 
And, but there's an enemy that rose up that was coming. They were greatly outnumbered and they had already caused all kinds of trouble in other places. And the word of God says that they set themselves to seek the Lord. And I love this word. Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, it says that they stood and they cried unto the Lord their God. And they said, God, we have no power and we have no might against this enemy. Neither do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Come on. We don't know what to do. You ever get in the place you don't know what to do? Well, I'll tell you first thing, don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because you believe in God. Jesus said, believe also in me. For my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, why would he say that? Because in the next chapter, he says, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever I've commanded you. We're friends of God. Amen. He said, I would have told Of course I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Isn't that awesome? If it were not so, I would have told you. Why? Because I'm your friend. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A friend that loveth at all times. You may feel dropped off. You may feel abandoned. But I want to tell you something. God won't drop you off. He even said that when your mother and father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. Ha, <laughs> ha, glory to God. <laughs> Amen. And we know, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Man, the three Hebrew children weren't troubled. They knew, man, God will deliver us. We know this one day that, man... We're going to be with God, whether we die or whether we live. And you know what? They came out of the fire after those mighty men were disintegrated that threw them in. They came out of the fire and didn't even smell like smoke. And I just declare that to you, that you're going to come out of whatever it is uh, you're in, whatever's come against you, and you're not even going to have the smell of smoke on you. There's going to be nothing but victory. Hallelujah. The victory's already ours. We're not going to get it someday, but he's already given us the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We've got to have that expression of faith. I want you to turn uh, with me real quick over to Second uh, Kings. This is a long story, and, and, and there's no way I could, I could get into it very deep. But I love this story. Uh, lots of names in here I can't really pronounce. Rabshak and Sennacherib or Sennacherib, I've heard it pronounced a lot of ways. But I love these guys. They're losers. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man. First thing I want to point out in 2 Kings, the 18th chapter, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he began to reign. And you ought to read First uh, and Second Kings and Chronicles, and you ought to just take a note every time it says something like, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, or he did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, or he did that which was wicked or that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And look at the difference. 
I'll tell you, I've gone through, I don't know how many times, underlined, underscored, circled, and everything, every time. But they did that which was right. They did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Man, I want to tell you, you look at the difference in their lives when they followed after the things of God and they just, they just walked with God. And if you go ahead and look at their lives, in a lot of cases, they didn't do everything right. But I want to tell you something, they stayed with God. You know, that's what I love about Peter. When all those disciples left Jesus, Jesus looked at the 12 and he said, will you go also? And it's almost as if he said, there's the door. Don't let it hit you. Come on. Will you go also? And Peter stood and said, where would we go? Would you just say that right now? You know, the next time quit comes up in your mind or in your conversation, why don't you just cast it down and never even go there again? Where would we go? Where would I go? I thought quit one time. It was a long time ago. And all I could think is, what's next? What's after God? Where would I go? Now, you look at Peter, and uh, I kind of looked at at that word that Andrew was sharing about the two disciples walking down the road. And it went on down there, and it said one of them was Simon. And so it probably was Peter, and I'd never noticed that. But you know what? The one thing Peter did in that whole situation after he denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times, the rooster crowed, and he went out and wept bitterly and hurt over, uh, over what he had done, over his sin, over his denial. But you know what? And I, I don't think Peter knew what to do next. What do you do after you deny him? What do you do when Jesus, you've already heard him say, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Peter had already heard him say that. Now, he did just exactly that. Would not be, I, I don't even know him. I, I have no connection with him. I'm no part of him. And cursed. What do you do after you've done that? I don't know, but Peter knew one thing he wasn't going to do was leave. Hello? Why? Because where would I go? Maybe he even thought, there may not be any hope for me, but I'm not going nowhere. At the chance that there is, he did say that upon that understanding I had, I'll build my church. He could remember all those things. And you know what? I love Peter because he didn't leave. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He held on to the hope that, man, there was still hope in the calling of God on his life. There was still hope. And, you know, uh, when Jesus saw him out there and he said, have you any meat? And they said, no, we've toiled all night long. We haven't caught anything. And he said, cast your net on the other side. It was just kind of a deja vu thing. I was just in Texas. I learned this last year. Anybody know what deja vu is? It's kind of like I've been here before. Anybody know what deja vu is? So I've heard this bull before. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and of course, you know, Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to shore, but he didn't say nothing. But he was in the room when Thomas stuck his finger in his hand and his hand in his side. He was there when he appeared. Evidently, he was there on the road. He was there in the Denny's when they went in and he broke bread and opened the scriptures and they said, didn't our heart burn within us as he shared with us? You know, man, wouldn't you like to just walk with God and to where when you left somebody's company, they'd say, didn't our heart burn within us when we were with John, when we were with Leroy? Come on. Doesn't your heart burn within you when you sit and you hear the word of God preached and ministered in these meetings? 
you know what? You just need to go back and make someone else's heart burn as you share with them what God's done in your life and how God's filled you with power and with the anointing that breaks and destroys every yoke. And man, just get the seed out of the bag and somebody will get saved. And, and, and so Peter just stood there and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And you know the story. You know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And I know one, one time said, feed my lambs. But he said it three times. You know, I, I believe this and there's so much in that and I can't get very deep in it, but I see this right here. Do you love me? You know, and he finally got frustrated. You know that I love you because you know everything about me. You know my heart. You know my thoughts. You know everything about me. And you know that I love you. And he, and he said it one last time, then feed my sheep. You know what? I believe Jesus was saying, then you go ahead and do what I called you to do. Come on, the devil would love nothing more than for you to give up. The devil would love nothing more than for you to feel unworthy to do what God's called you to do. But this thing's just about over. Uh, Hebrews 11 or Hebrews 10 and 37 says, Yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Jesus said in John uh, 9, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Night cometh when no man can work. Whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it right now. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, Whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it. With your might, for there's no wisdom, there's no knowledge, and there's no device in the grave where you're going. And you know, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge. But you know, it's not how much you know, it's what you do with how much you know. I, I didn't know but three chords on the guitar, and I wasn't very good at those. I didn't even do them right. And, but I had something inside of me. Even before I was saved, even before I had a glimpse of grace, I was walking to every nursing home in my hometown and I was singing because, you know what? Uh, though, first of all, those people thought I could sing. <laughs> they thought I was a great guitarist. I, I didn't even do the chords I knew right. And I only knew three. But this one nursing home I'd walk in, there was a guy probably under 30, probably close to 30 years old, 28 to 30 years old in the nursing home, that whatever sickness uh, he had, his name was Don Bussey. I'll never forget him. But when I'd walk in... At 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, even when I was lost and messed up, I'd go there and I'd walk in and I'd sing all them old gospel songs and Don would see me because he liked to be out in the day room. And as soon as he would see me, they had him on this half chair, half bed thing. And as soon as he'd see me, he'd just, he'd get animated. He'd go, David! And he'd about half embarrass me, but he'd just go all over that whole nursing home. I was the greatest thing on earth to David Bussey. You know? Man, you know, uh, are you the answer to anybody's problems? Are you the answer to anybody's prayers? And it's awesome. You know, sometimes you go in places and just sit down and shut up. Uh, last week in a nursing home in Fort Worth, Texas, I met one of my girlfriends that I'd made last year. 90 years old. She, she told me again. And you know what? Who cares if you hear the same story over and over and over again? But she had been saved since she was about seven years old. And she told how she rode in the wagon up to this old tent or brush harbor. And people were on their horses and there's just one or two old cars. And how she went in there and got saved. You know what? You need to sit at somebody's feet and just let them talk. Someone that's walked with God all the days of their life. 
I'm going to see a girlfriend of mine this next, uh, probably next Monday. She's 90 years old. We've been going steady for two years. She's in Klondike, Texas. Her name's Jody George. And man, she makes my day. First time I met her, I'd gone into this nursing home and it took me back 20, 30 years. It was the nastiest, most horrible nursing home I've been in in a long, long time. And I had to go outside and gag. I apologized to God. And I've been in a lot of them and I'm used to it. But this one was so bad. And I went back in and I said, God, I'm sorry. And he said, these people live here. And I said, I know it, Lord. Went back in and set up and Jody George watched us very close as we set up. Looked like, kind of like an old farm girl. 88 when I met her. And, and she just watched us. And man, when I started singing, this was her thing. She went, oh, and she'd hit her fist. And just every few seconds, every few minutes, she went, oh. And I could hear her, man. It just every time she did that, it's like I just get a rush. Didn't care if anybody else liked me. Jody George was getting, oh. And I started sharing the word, and I could see her just out of my peripheral vision right there. And she went, oh, and he can preach too. And I thought, who cares if anybody thinks I can't, if Jody George thinks I can preach, amen? amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. There's, it's not how much you know, it's what you do with how much you know. Get the seed out of the bag. Somebody will get saved. Well, if I just had some more money, it's not how much money you have, it's what you do with how much you have. You've got to be faithful in what you've got. You know, I used to go to meetings, I mean... And, and loved it. Just, just wished in a wild dream I'd get to sing a song or something. But they'd invite me. We want you to be here. We got a lot of important people. You may not do nothing. And they just kind of set me down. And if no one important shows up, we'll use you. And I was just glad to be there. And I found out about something about important people. This is the truth. Sometimes they're so important they don't show up. They look over at me and like, oh. You know? And I got up 4 o'clock one morning. I was sick. I, I had such a fever, 104 temperature. And, and, but I had a meeting at 7 o'clock in the morning at, at this big convention. And man, you just couldn't miss a deal like that. There was an ice storm on. I had about 50 miles to drive. And, and I got my Datsun. And I was so sick, and I prayed all the way over there and got there, and there's usually about uh, 30 people. There's 14 because of the ice storm. But, man, we had a time in the middle of that service. That fever left and never came back. They came and they said, our speaker can't get in because of the ice storm for the 10 o'clock meeting. Would you do it? I said, I'd love to. Got there. There was about 50 people. They came to me and said, our speaker for the luncheon is, is stuck in Chicago. And, and because of the ice storm, can't get out. Would you do the luncheon? Got there, there's about 250 people there. They came and said, would you do our 2.30 meeting? They said, our speaker can't make it in. They put me in the governor's suite. No one else was using it. There's about 600 people at that afternoon meeting. And I mean, it just went on and on and on. I got to share Man, I got to be a part of something just because I kept showing up. Amen? Just keep showing up. It's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. Whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with your might. For there's no wisdom, there's no knowledge, there's no device.
in the grave where you're going. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it right now. What are you waiting on? All I had was that guitar. And you know what? But it's just a device. That's all. It's a way that, that I can share. Everybody doesn't do that. Uh, some people have greater gifts, you know. Don't ever belittle the gift that you have. But use it. Okay, this story, I've got to tell it. I won't read it, but I, I'm telling you this story is sent care of it. You know, Rabshakeh said, that, oh, the great king of Syria. He said, don't listen to Hezekiah. You need to read this. He said, don't listen to Hezekiah when he says, trust in the Lord. Because all of these other gods, little g, have not saved these other places. So don't listen to him. And, and, and uh, the men said, well, don't speak in our language. Speak in, this, in the Syrian language. Uh, so the men on the wall, they didn't want terror and fear to be struck in the hearts of the men. And so he just went ahead as loud as he could and said, listen, I'm going to make you eat your own dung and drink your own piss. Look at me, it's King James. You'll read it now, won't you? You ever been, in the, ever been on the streets or in jail? You know what that kind of talk's like. Come on. And he wanted to strike fear, but it says they did not answer him a word because King Hezekiah said, don't even answer them. And, and I mean, he spouted out all these things. And, he, and, 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 and the man of God, Isaiah, sent word and said, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't even worry about all these things that the enemy's spoken. Because he hasn't reproached you. He's reproached the living God. He hasn't done these things against you. If you'll remember the story of King Asa in 2 Chronicles, the 14th chapter, you need to read it. It says, Oh God, it is nothing for you. Everybody say that. Say, it is nothing. And he said, it's nothing for you to, to save with many or with those that have no power. Help us, O Lord, for our trust is in you. Help us, O Lord, for we rest on you. And in your name we come against this enemy. Let not this enemy prevail against you. Not me. In the name of Jesus, I come against cancer. Let not cancer prevail against you. In your name, I come against heart disease. Let not heart disease prevail against you. I love the next verse. It says, and so God smote the Ethiopians. See, it's not coming against us. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Don't set your sights and your eyes on man when something's coming against you. You need to understand who the enemy is. Amen? And, 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 and uh, Isaiah sent word to Hezekiah, said he hasn't reproached you. He's reproached the living God. And God says, I'm going to deal with it. So God calls there to be a report. Sennacherib headed home and the word of God says that I believe it was 184,000 as Sennacherib slept in his tent, 184,000, one angel, one angel, God sent one angel and slew 184,000. And when he got up the next morning, they were all dead corpses. How many of you know they could have killed one more? But you don't get in God's face. And anything that's come against you, you need to come against it in the name of the Lord and understand that God is going to fight your battles. When Jehoshaphat said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you, the word of God came to him and said, you're not going to need to fight in this battle, but set yourself and see the salvation of the Lord. And they appointed singers and they went out with that freaking enemy out or what? Here comes the band. There's been a change. 
And when they got to the battlefield, the battle was over. And there was nothing but dead corpses. Amen? You don't have to let your heart be troubled because you're not alone. God is on your side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah! Glory to God! (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. And so Sennacherib, man, he's trusting his his God right in the presence. He he took, I love this. He woke up, went outside, and there's 184,000 dead bodies. I love the next verse, and it says, and so Sennacherib departed. (laughs) Wouldn't you? And he went and was bowing before his God, and his own sons came and killed him. And that was the end of that. It is nothing for God to take care of. Whatever it is that looks so horrible and looks so great, it is nothing. You know, after just a little short while, all the tests of the heart disease they said I had, the doctor said, where's this heart disease? I said, I don't know. You guys said I'd have it the rest of my life. You tell me. And he said, it's gone. I said, praise God. Praise God. He said, you need to have some more tests done. I said, help me understand this. I said, it's gone and you want me to go looking for it? Amen. Hallelujah. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And I'm going away, he went on to say. He said, I'm going. He said, I'm going to send the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, that will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've spoken unto you. And you know the importance of being here, and I'm shutting up right now, but is that you, you can't retain and you can't hold on to everything you wish you could. You wish you could make enough notes, but I want to tell you something. You let it get down in your spirit. And at the very moment in the time that you need it, it's going to rise up and it's going to meet you at the very... And it'll be there. You just got to keep letting it in. Keep putting it in. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Amen? Amen. Well, you get anything out of all my rambling? (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's great. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's great. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Isn't that great? I'm glad Dave's on our side. Hallelujah. Well, let's take a break. You have about 25 minutes. Be back at 1030.